Good morning, Bokertov. Welcome back to Living with Emuna series each week where we try to get together and remind ourselves what we already know or should know that there is a creator, there's a Rebona Shalom, there's an Almighty in this world, that He created the world, everything in it, He created us, and that He is intimately involved, aware of everything in our lives, and that we should rely, depend, and lean on Him, and our lives only get better and improve. I want to thank our generous sponsors of the series for the year. Dr. Zavi and Bella Morgan, in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbit, Zichron Levrach, and in memory of Bella's mother, Dr. Ellen Shanzer. Thank you so much for your generous sponsorship this morning. She was also sponsored anonymously for the Rafur Shleim of Rafal Arna Cohen Ben Rivka, Alex Krause, a cousin of Rabbi Moskowitz, and Le'ilu Nishmas, David Chaim Ben Shlomo, Dr. David Dombeck. Zichron Levrach, thank you so, so much to our generous sponsors. If you'd like to sponsor a future class or episode, please email lee at brsonline.org, L-E-E at brsonline.org. We're coming off the Chag Emuna, the Yontif of Emuna, the Yontif of faith. We didn't only study about God. We didn't read or learn or demonstrate about falling in love with, falling in faith with Hashem, but rather we experienced it. We lived it. We went through our own Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim Meitzar is a straight and narrow place, a constricted place. And Min HaMeitzar Karasiko, we call God from that constricted place from a Mitzrayim. And we set ourselves free. Setting ourselves free means that we go from thinking we're in charge, we're in control, we take responsibility, we have pride or we have guilt, to realizing we do our very best and then we let go, let God. Once we've done our best, then it is up to the Almighty, it is up to the Rebunish the Master of the Universe. And when we go from a life of thinking we're in charge, we're in control, which leads to arrogance and envy, which leads to anxiety and worry, and to a life in which we've set ourselves free, then we have experienced what liberty and freedom and emancipation are really all about. That is what this holiday. And now we're in the middle of Sefer Saomer. We've begun the count, and we are on a trek, 49 days, 7 weeks, towards setting ourselves free. So how have you challenged yourself in these 7 weeks? How have you challenged yourself for these 49 days? In what way are we going to be better? Less arrogant, less envious, less anxiety-ridden, less thinking that we're in charge and we're in control, less turning inward and more turning outward. How are we reaching up, reaching out, and reaching in. How are we measuring in these 49 days, in day increments and in weekly increments, evaluating, have I grown, have I changed, have I improved, am I better? What are we taking upon ourselves? To read and to study, to learn every day, to work out, to exercise, to eat right, to be more mindful in what we say, in how we speak, in our effort to connect with others? Are we dedicating time to David not only from a sitter, but to open our heart, and to talk to God about what's on our mind, what we want to protest and object to, what we want to express gratitude for, and what we want to reach out for His help with. What are we doing in these 49 days in order to truly set ourselves free and to be able to do so in a way in which we measure how we are, how we are doing? All right, we're continuing our study of Rav Shemayim Morgenstern Bayam Derachecha. And we are on the parak of Hargashas Or Vitanag Bidvekos. Feeling His light, turning ourselves into a kli, into a vessel to receive that light. The light, the countenance of the Almighty is shining bright all the time. God is speaking and God is shining and God is messaging all the time. The question is, do we pick it up? Are we hearing it? Are we picking up that signal? That's the question that's on us. Are we a vessel? Are we a kli? Is our antenna extended? Have we updated our software? Are we picking up the signal of His light? Are we that vessel to receive and to live that light? That light is everywhere. That light is in every cup of coffee, and that light is in every conversation, and that light is in every human being, and that light is in every mitzvah, and that light is in every prayer opportunity. 
that light from God is everywhere. The question is, are we looking for it and do we see it? Are we feeling it? Because when we do, when we become that vessel and when we feel that light and when we see that infinite and we touch the divine, then we're elevated, we're enriched, we're alive. Our life is so much better. And when we live in the here and now, in the temporary, we live in a world that is fleeting. We live in a world which is filled with decay. We live in a world which is filled with, with death. Then we feel we are dead even while we are alive. The more we contact the divine, the more we contact that which is infinite, eternal, immortal, then the more alive that we feel. And we make that contact when we do mitzvos. That is contact with the divine. That is contact with immortality. But we also make contact with our immortality when we find Hashem's light. Hashem is immortal and His light can be found and connected with so many ways around us, as we just mentioned, through so many different capacities. That's our mission, that's our search, that's what we're looking for. We're on page Tzadi Test, page 99, the third chapter, feeling the light and connecting dvekas, attaching, gluing ourselves to the Almighty. He makes a very, very important and critical point here, Ravitcha Meyer. He says, you know, we have this thing called spirituality. Are you on fire? Young people love to use the fire emoji. Ooh, that was fire. That Joshua was fire. How was your Seder? It was fire. How are you feeling? Fire. So at times we feel the spirituality. We're on fire. We're on fire. We feel connected. We feel alive. We feel uh, we're striving. We're stretching up. At times we're on fire. We are deriving the joy, the pleasure out of a life of connection to God. But at times the pleasure is not there. At times we're asked, open the sitter and daven, even though you're not feeling it, even though you're not in fire, even though you're not filled with faith, even though you're falling apart, even though you're exhausted. So Richemeyer says a person needs to be so committed to dvekas. A person has to be so committed to the notion of attaching ourselves to Hashem that even in those moments too, we stick with it. It's not just about the pleasure we derive from it but it's about a commitment to being. And I liken it, as we always do, to the metaphor of marriage, because the relationship with Hashem is not even a metaphor of marriage. It is a marriage. That is what we're told is the relationship. In fact, the Kabbalists, the mystics, told us that the whole institution of marriage in this world is so that we have an understanding of what it means to be in that relationship with Hashem. It's not that our relationship with Hashem is like a marriage, is that we have marriage so that we can have an insight and an inkling and understanding of what we're supposed to feel when it comes to Hashem. So marriage, often you feel on fire. You're in love. It's amazing. All you see is the good and the connection and the romance. And you're so angry that there aren't even enough words to communicate or capture the sense of love and devotion and oneness that you feel, attachment. It's not a coincidence, by the way. That the same word dvekas that we're learning about, the mitzvah of attaching ourselves to God, is the same word that's used in the context of marriage. Torah tells us, Al yazov av, uh, imo, a person is meant to graduate their parents' home, vidavak biishto, attach and cling themselves to their spouse. That is the nature of marriage. The nature of marriage is to cling, to feel you have one another's back, to stick together like glue, to be able to feel the rhythm of life to finish each other's sentences, to be able to intuit what the other one wants, to have such a level of loyalty and fidelity that you're interconnected as one. So here you have the exact same word in the context of marriage is the same word that is the mitzvah of the relationship with Hashem. Why? Not because the relationship with Hashem, with God, is like a marriage. We are married to God. 
And just like I'm not on a vacation from my marriage, even when I'm on a business trip or a vacation, but marriage is part of the core definition of who I am. It defines my status, my identity. It defines who I am, and I never unbreak from it. So too, my relationship, my marriage to the Almighty means I don't take a vacation from it. I'm not on break on a business trip, on vacation. He comes with me. We're never apart. That identity, that status of being married to one another, that dvekas, that devek, that connection, is something which is part of my core identity. It's part of who I am. So in marriage, sometimes you're on fire, you're in love. There are no words to describe the romance, the fireworks. And there are other times that you're not feeling as connected. That's healthy. That's okay. That's a part of rhythm of marriage. Maybe you're feeling distanced. Maybe you're both exhausted. Maybe you're both overwhelmed. Maybe all you talk about are the things that bring anxiety and you never invest enough in yourselves and you need to return and recover that. That's okay. But even in those moments where you're not feeling on fire and you aren't feeling the fireworks, you still have to remember you're married. You still have to cling and be loyal. You still have to have one another's back. You still have to care about each other's needs and wants. And the same is true in the relationship, in the marriage to the Almighty. Dvekas, that clinging, that dovak, gluing ourselves to God, it's wonderful when it leads to the fireworks with God. I'm on fire and I love and I'm spiritual and I see Him everywhere. And Hashem is amazing and the world is amazing and life is amazing. And let's just have a kumzitz and a kumbaya and isn't life amazing? But there will be and there are moments that you don't feel that. And that's when the rubber meets the road. That's the test of, is the dvekas real? The pleasure, the joy, the fireworks cannot be the goal of clinging to God. The goal of clinging to God is because I'm married to God. And being married to God, marriage has to mean something. There's loyalty, there's fidelity, there has to be commitment, there has to be devotion, there has to be willing to compromise and sacrifice. Those are core definitions and criteria of marriage. So the Tanag is not the Matarat, the byproduct of a healthy marriage with God or with another human being. The byproduct of a healthy, rewarding marriage is that it also feels good. But that's not the matara. That is not the goal. He continues in the next section. It's not just that the light can't be the goal. There will be times that the light doesn't shine through. You're in a dark place. You're in a dark moment. You're living in a dark time. And it's very difficult to see the light. It's cloudy. It's dark. And there are times when you are trying to practice dvekas, trying to cling to God. You're not feeling that light and you're not feeling that upper pleasure. And even after you merit to feel the pleasantness of attachment to God, and the sweetness of you taste Torah, tamuru Hashem. If you only taste, if you only try, you will see how delicious a relationship with God is. But relationships work in cycles. There are ups and there are downs. We hope, like the stock market, that it trends up, even though there are ups and downs. There are variations. But relationships all contain those. So we've tasted the sweetness, and we know how delicious a relationship is, and we've seen the light. But the light doesn't always shine through. Sometimes there's dark. Sometimes we're in a dark place and sometimes the world is a dark place. There are times when you are on fire. Shabbos is coming. So excited, counting down, preparing, cooking. I love Shabbos. I live for Shabbos. And there's sometimes if we admit you say, oh, it's another Shabbos. Got to cook again. Another drusha. 
Got to set the table. Got to get ready. Got to disconnect again. But Sarach Shelo Lehispael Kasher Lo Margish Ki Gamze Hisgalas Elokus VeGamze Madrega Bedvekas. A level. If you want to evaluate your level and where you're at when it comes to this midah of quality of clinging to God, you need to know that this too, the real measure of a person is not how well you're doing when you're on fire. It's not how well you're doing when everything is going well. It's not how well it's smoothly, it's seamless it is when the light is coming through. Your real test of your marriage is not when you're on vacation or celebrating your anniversary or you have won the lottery. The real test of your marriage is when you hit a roadblock, when you, when you struggle. The real test of a marriage is when you're not feeling it. Do you persevere? Do you work it out? Do you work it through? Do you come back? Is it stronger than ever? Is it stronger than ever? That's the real connection. When you fight through, when you persevere, when you're really devoted, when you're willing to cling, when you're willing to have a back, even when you're not feeling attached. When you don't feel like working out, do you anyway? When you don't feel like dieting and being disciplined, are you anyway? When you don't feel like doing the daf or learning or tuning into the shir, do you do it anyway? It's easy when you're on fire. I never miss that shir. I love it. It changes me. Working out is the greatest. I don't understand why everybody doesn't work out. It's the greatest thing that ever happened. It's so much fun. Everybody loves it. That's great. You know what's going to happen? You're going to hit a wall and you're going to say working out is the stupidest, dumbest. I hate it. I hate every moment of it. It's torture. Get me out of it. And do you do it anyway? Do you do it anyway? Ah, oh, I would never eat that poison. I'd never put that in my system. I only eat healthy. That's good. In two weeks, you're going to be back to wanting the corn chips. But do you eat them? Or do you discipline, as we spoke about this morning in our Masilis Hashanah Shir? Do you realize that there is a pause, there's a space between the urge, the appetite, and the action? And in that space, do you express the discipline? Do you express the discipline, even when you don't feel like it? And the reason it's like this, who, who, God wants to dwell down here on earth. And every one of us is an agent, an ambassador, a messenger of God. And we are here in order to be a vessel so that God has a place to dwell down here on earth. So it's not that God is only living in the heavens. The heavens are a place of spirituality. The heavens are a place of the divine. And here on earth, it's a place of animal living. It's animal house. No, we are his agents. We are his ambassadors. We are, we are, uh, you know, it's as if heaven has an embassy on earth. Where is the embassy in heaven? America has an embassy in Israel. Israel has an embassy in America. And the Israeli embassy in America has the sovereign status of Israel. The American embassy in Israel has the sovereign status of America. So where is heaven's embassy on earth? Through each and every one of us. We are the embassy. We are the, the ambassador, the agency of God. He wants a dear betachton. God doesn't want to just dwell in the heavens. He doesn't want spirituality to be something which is far away and far apart and is in the heavens. God wants dira betachton. God says, I'm in the food. I'm in the intimacy. I'm in your relationship with time. I'm in your relationship with culture. I'm in your relationship with work. I'm in your relationship with what car you drive. Dira betachton, there's godliness, the spirituality available, accessible everywhere. That everywhere you look, you see the kingdom, the royalty, you see the dominion, you see the providence of God. He's in every bite, every morsel we eat. He's in everything we say. He's in everything we feel. He's in everywhere we go. He's in everything we look at. He's in every chair, every desk, every computer, every smartphone. Hashem is everywhere. That light is shining through, but only through us, through the power of our agency, through our autonomy and our effort and our interest. 
and during these times, when it feels dark out, there's a battle, there's a war that takes place in the soul of a person. So again, the same thing again with marriage. You're not feeling it with marriage. The fireworks aren't there, the romance isn't there. So what? Are you still devoted? Are you still all in? Are you willing to work it through? Or, or even when you're angry or you're in a fight, or you're feeling distance, or you're not feeling connected to you say, but this is the love of my life, this is the parent of my children, this is my future, this is my other half, this is the person who makes me whole, and therefore I'm going to fight through, persevere, work it out, and come out stronger on the other side. The same is true with the Almighty. So again, what Ravitch and Meyer is trying to communicate and transmit to us is that the real test of our devotion to Dvekas, the real test of how much we believe in this quality and in this practice, is not when it's going smoothly or well or we're on fire, but when it's challenging and difficult. And when we are in that test, we are revealing the lies and distortions, the untruth of the external world. God can be found even when the world is hiding him. So Corona was hiding God. Isolation, quarantine, distance, illness, sickness, loss, financial challenge. Where's God? Where's the Ribbon Shalom? The world externally was trying to suppress Hashem, trying to make it that you couldn't see Him. Where's a God amidst among all the suffering and all the challenges? And the answer is, it was up to us, the way we treated one another, the way we extended ourselves to one another, the level of selflessness, of kindness, of support to one another. It's up to us to reveal that light, even when there are layers and layers of dark that are trying to hide it. So there are people, there are things, there are places, there are conditions, there are natural events in the world, which make it a dark, dark place, a complicated place, a place in which it's difficult to access and to expose and to see God. But those are the moments that are most up to us. Those are the challenges for us to stand up and to step up and to reveal Him, to be that light. So you're going through a difficult time, a person medically, financially, relationship, emotionally, psychologically, or you're worn down and exhausted. Who doesn't have corona fatigue? Who's not just tired already? of masks and calculations and concerns. Who's not just tired of all this already, of living in fear of if or when you're going to contract illness, what it will look like, what it will mean, how will it spread within your family, who are the vulnerable members of your family? Who's not exhausted from all this? Who's not tired of it? Who's not in a dark place from it? But those are the moments, to nevertheless attach ourselves in our thoughts and in our hearts, or even when you're not feeling the light, you have to know that Hashem is with us. There's nothing to worry, there's nothing to fear, there's nothing to be concerned. Do what we have to do, and then the rest is up to us. My daughter's going back to Eretz Yisrael today, back to her seminary to continue her year in Israel. So grateful that Rebona Shalom decided in the last moment she was able to come back and be with our family. Baruch Hashem, we were all together. What a joy, what a gift, what a blessing. So she took a test yesterday, because you need a test in order to, in order to go back. And she doesn't have the result yet. And the lab this morning is saying, they're not sure why it's taking so long. But her flight's today. What's going to be? I don't know. We're in the middle of this year. My phone is on airplane mode. I have no idea. But I said, let's daven. We got to daven. 
We did everything you're supposed to do. You took it in the time you're supposed to take it, took it with a wonderful, reputable company, and for whatever reason, it's at the lab, and now it's in Hashem's hands. So why stress? Why be frustrated? Why be worried? Why give up your happiness? Why give up the last moments that you're at home? Let go and let God. If He wills it, the lab will have the results, it will all go smoothly. And if for some reason He doesn't, there's a reason. That's what's meant to be. That's the way it's designed. Now you'll say, well, it's easy for me. I'm not supposed to go anywhere. Believe me, it's not so easy for me. If it doesn't come back, life gets very complicated. But that's the gift of what Emunah means. You're stressed, you're struggling. Halavai, this should be the darkest place she or we ever go through. Halavai. This is nothing gornished. It's a nothing. But you're in a dark place. You're in a concerned place. That's when you have to fight through and see the light. That's when you have to refocus one's thoughts. That's where we have to be really, really committed in our heart and in our head to faith in Hashem and to say, okay, did I do everything the best I could? Yes. Did I do it with the best that I could? Yes. Is there anything more for me to do right now? No. Okay, so then what's left? Stress, frustration, anxiety, worry. What good will that do? Will that make it better? Will that bring about positive results? Will that create success? Not rarely, never, never. If there's more to do than just do it, but don't do it with angst, anxiety, or worry, that never ever helps. Usually it just hurts the situation. Certainly it forfeits our serenity, tranquility, and the last moments that we have here at home. V'yismach, aren't you curious now? For the shear to finish and find out what happened? So am I. V'yismach ba'ashem izbarach b'li hargasha, rak mikoach ha'emunah. Mikoach ha'emunah. And be happy with Hashem Yisbarach Baliyargasha. You're in that dark place, you're in that concerned place, you're in that worried place, you're in that place where it's hard to feel His presence. Find an ability to break through and to be happy with Him, even when the feeling's not there. Rak mikoach ha'emunah. Ki be'emes Hashem Yisbarach tamad itanu, ve'efshel ha'amshech le'idavik bovalachios ito, gam im ha'adam lo'margish klum. Hashem is always with us, even when you don't feel it. He's always there, even when it looks like there are layers that are blocking him. So I want to give you a mushle. I want to give you an example right now that just jumped into my head. I once read from a marriage expert that when a couple's in a fight, when a couple's in a fight, a very good thing to do, assuming it's an appropriate time, an appropriate place, an appropriate venue, is one to go over to the other and just give them a hug. So what do you mean? You're in the middle of throwing things at each other's head. You're yelling and screaming at each other about how you ruin each other's life. You're frustrated, disappointed, hurt by each other's behavior. You're in an enormous fight. You can go over and give a hug? And the answer is yes. Because what that hug does, or what putting a hand on somebody else, even in the middle of a fight does, is it says, we're going to work this out. At our core, we are connected. We are one. We are in love. We have a future. We're on a detour. We're on a conversation. We have to work this out. But let's remember that underneath it all, and what we will come back to, is that we have a fantastic and phenomenal connection. So that hug, aside from the endorphin release, and aside from what it does, the sense of touch, but it builds a connection and it sets a reminder. And it says, I'm saying maybe even harsher, hurtful things. I'm throwing things at you, literally or metaphorically. We're going at it and we're battling right now. But I interrupt to bring you this hug. First of all, it's very hard to then speak harshly. It's very hard to still kick it up to the highest level of the nuclear fight when that hug or that placing a hand on the other person, what it communicates, that sense of touch or that connection. Why am I giving you this muscle? First of all, it's good to know. Not that any of you ever have fights in your marriage, but it's good to know in case you know somebody who does. It's very good advice. But why am I sharing it? I'm sharing it as a muscle, as a metaphor, as an example, in terms of our relationship with God. It means that sometimes, God, I'm throwing things at you, literally, metaphorically. 
God, I'm frustrated, I'm disappointed, I'm hurt, I'm withdrawn, I'm distanced, there's daylight between us. God, I don't see you in my life. I'm frustrated, I'm angry, where are you? Why is this happening? Interrupt and give him a hug. And realize, you know, God, I'm feeling this right now, but it's temporary. In my core, I have such faith in you and love for you. You are my father, you are my spouse, you are my everything, and we will be back. But right now, here's how I'm feeling. Resume the fight, if you want. So that's what Ravitch Meyer is suggesting, is to know that even within the darkness, even within the choshech, ha'emesh ha'shem izbarach tamerito, Shem Izbarach is always with us, and that we can cling to Him and feel connected to Him and give Him a hug and feel His hug even when we can't find Him anywhere. Even when we can't find Him anywhere. Even as a parent, you have to discipline a child, you're about to take away their technology, or you're about to ground them, you're about to tell them some disappointing news because that's what's best for them. Give them a hug and then give them the punishment. Because what that says is, I love you. I love you. I love you unconditionally. You're my child. I love you. Because I love you, I have to do what I'm about to do. But I give you a hug before, I give you a hug after. You have to practice tough love, the ultimate love for a parent to a child. So Hashem Yisbarach, even in these moments, there's darkness, it's difficult to find Him. There is a light. And we create and we crack open in order to create that light. But Tzarech L'Hachnes Chazak B'Dayto. Shelo L'Chafez Rak Esaor. Shelo L'Yostale Rak Bahargashos. We have to have, we have to place carefully in our head. We have to know not just to search or look for the light, and not just to depend, the relationship can't fluctuate and depend on our feelings. Because their relationship with God is how they're feeling. I don't feel like davening with Kavana today. I don't feel like putting tefillin on today. I don't feel like making a bracha today. It doesn't do anything for me. There's an enormous challenge in Yiddishkeit today. I've spoken about this many times. So you'll forgive me if you heard this little rant. But there's an enormous challenge today particularly among young people, who will tell you that I don't do the things that don't do anything for me. So there's a group of young men I once spoke to about tefillin, and they said, tefillin doesn't do anything for me. Tefillin doesn't do anything for me. Wrapping leather on my arm, on my head, it doesn't do anything for me. So why should I do it? Because modern man, the 21st century says, I don't do things that don't do anything for me. Just do it. Obey your thirst, pleasure, only the things that make you happy and that give you pleasure. So why do I have to do anything that doesn't do it for me? Kosher, Shabbos, Tfilin, doesn't do anything for me. Why do I have to do something that doesn't do something for me? But the core of Yiddishkeit, the core of religion, the core of faith, the core of a relationship is a willingness to do. Imagine I tell my wife, that again, that garbage doesn't do anything for me. And I know you asked me to help with this, that, it doesn't do anything for me. So I don't really care if it does anything for you. It does something for me and I asked you to do it. So do I do anything for you? Do you care about me? Are you invested in this relationship with me? Do you want to know what I'm asking you to do? Even if you're not feeling at this moment, it does anything for you. Clearing the table doesn't do anything for me. Helping with bedtime doesn't do anything for me. Okay, that's nice. Imagine telling your boss at work, you're given an assignment, a project, something to do. Mm, nah, give it to someone else. That doesn't do anything for me. Um, I don't remember asking you if it did anything for you. It needs to get done and you're the one who needs to do it. And so the core of religion, the core of spirituality, the core of 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 being an Emet Hashem of Avoda, it's not that it does something for me. It's not the feeling that we have. It's the commitment to, to doing it even when I don't feel it. You think brushing my teeth every day does something for me? But you got to brush your teeth whether you're feeling it or not. El Elio, so I told that group of young men, you know, tonight, it's tonight Wednesday, tonight, tomorrow, Yom HaShoah, Holocaust Memorial Day. So there's a tshuva, Mimamakim, Rav Oshri, who was a Rav in the Kovna Ghetto. 
and uh, collected. He wrote on scraps of paper and he buried it under the Kovna Ghetto and he collected it afterwards. And it was the questions that he was asked in the Kovna Ghetto. And he was asked a question by a young man. I've shared this and taught this before. A young man who um, comes to Rav Oshri and says, you know, I'm not going to make it to my Bar Mitzvah. The odds, the statistics, the likelihood is that I'm never going to survive to my Bar Mitzvah. But I need to know what it's like to put on tefillin. I cannot go to my death. I cannot go to the next world and never have had the experience of putting on tefillin. So even though I'm not bar mitzvah and I'm not even close to it, may I start wearing tefillin because otherwise I'll never know that experience because the likelihood is I'll be murdered beforehand. And Rav Oshie has several pages of a tshuva about why we wait to put on tefillin till the bar mitzvah and how close to the bar mitzvah do we begin to practice a day, a week, a month, what are the different customs and traditions and ultimately concludes that this young man, if he has the proper mindset, he can be mindful of uh, protecting, observing the tefillin that he's allowed to. But forget the answer. How about the question? How about the mindset of a young man, a 12-year-old, suffering, a slave, imprisoned in the Kovna ghetto, who doesn't say, God, where are you? Was there a darker place on earth than the Holocaust? Was there a greater cloak of darkness than the Shoah? And this young man in the Holocaust doesn't say, how can I run away? He says, how can I run too? He doesn't say, I can't see God, so I'm out. He says, how can I make a crack? How can I break open an opening so the light will still come through? He doesn't say, I guess I don't have to wear tefillin or do anything else because God abandoned me, I'm abandoning him. He says, how would it be possible for me to go to my death and never know what it's like to wear tefillin? What a question. What a question. He didn't ask, does it do anything for me? He didn't say, does it do something for me? He said, what am I meant to do? What a different question. Not what does it do for me, but what am I meant to do? And so that's what... Ravitcha Meyer is applying to a world of mindfulness, a world of, a world of faith, a world of dvekas. Do we practice it? Do we live it even when we don't feel it? Even when we don't feel it? Even when it's not doing something for me, do we ask ourselves, what are we meant to do? To be those who serve God faithfully, who are searching for an inner connection. We're trying to break that open. We're trying to create a hole or a, or a crack so the light can come through. Forget whether we're feeling it and forget whether it's doing something for us. Forget whether it's letting us feel we're high on God. But are we committed to do it because it's the right thing, because it's what we're meant to do nonetheless? Um, we'll continue as a very important conversation. And this is the measure of our commitment to Amuna and to Dvekas, not just in the lofty and the high and the happy times, but in the week and the eve of Yom HaShoah, the people who live with tremendous faith in our local Yom HaShoah program, which will be online, virtual, our local survivor, Martin Judovitz, one of my heroes at our Seder this year, we had the privilege of hosting him. He's vaccinated, we're vaccinated from a distance. And uh, during the Hisha Amda, he shared his experiences and talked to my kids about how he maintained his faith. He's given the most extraordinary answer. He said, I lost my mother and father. I had one parent left. Should I lose him too? And therefore, I chose to get closer, not further from him after the war, after he lost everything. So he'll be sharing some reflections tonight. I'll be interviewing Judge Coleman, a Holocaust survivor tonight. Later tonight, I'm behind the beam at 9 p.m. We'll be interviewing Mrs. Ruth Lichtenstein, the founder of Project Witness, the great-granddaughter of the Ger Rebbe, the editor-in-chief of Hamodia newspaper. She's also an extraordinary woman. She'll talk about Project Witness, which is collecting the testimonials from a spiritual perspective, the spiritual resistance and heroism during the Shoah, the people who maintain their religion and faith in those extraordinary circumstances. So I encourage you to tune in. 6 p.m. is our 
Yom HaShoah program, 9 p.m. is the Behind the Bima interview. And uh, we'll pick up with this conversation, please God, next week. Uh, if you would like to subscribe to our YouTube channel, you'll be notified in real time. Every time we learn together, be part of our community of learning. Simply hit subscribe and you will be alerting, alerted. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.